Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have got a guest today. He's a Renaissance man. I mean, he has had a wonderful musician uh, and had a tremendous loss and has been able to integrate this. I I love it. It's a great story. You want to introduce our guest, Heidi? Sure, I'd love to. So we're going to talk today about living and letting go. And our guest is going to be Nathan Peterson. And as you said, Mom, he is a Renaissance man. Uh, Nathan is a singer-songwriter. He has two solo albums. He's written two books, Dance Again, Grief is Healing, and So Am I. And he has been inspired by the, the birth, the life, and the death of his little girl, Olivia, who lived until she was 14 months old. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so great to have you on today. And uh, I was so inspired by the story of mm-hmm. uh, Olivia and how you knew that she had a genetic uh, issue and you knew in utero that she probably would not live at all and uh, decided to go through the pregnancy and uh, uh, what a story um, but what most um, touched me was the fact that you celebrated her life every day um, mm-hmm. amazing yeah we we had to the the uh, we found out pretty early in the pregnancy that she was not supposed to but they, the term they used was incompatible with life. And so all the preparations for uh, the day she was born were for us to say goodbye that day. Wow. So when we had more than, you know, she, she lived more than a few minutes, we actually left the operating room. Every one of those moments was unexpected. And so even, even before that, really, when she was in Euro, we thought, well, this may be the only chance that we get to know her. And so the, the sonograms took on a whole different level of, of, of meaning for us because we were, she was moving and she was kicking. And so those moments were all possibly all we were going to get. But then the, the moments kept happening. <laughs> so it's very rich, very full time of deciding to be present moment by moment for so many moments. It does remind me of that, Nathan. I mean, you talk about how when she was born, you didn't want to sleep because you thought she could die at any moment. And so you lived totally presently. And then she ended up living for 14 months, which is pretty incredible. It's an incredible story. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was exhausting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but, but also a miracle, um, yeah, I remember it was like the second night in the hospital and we had been awake for so long and um, we, yeah, we were really afraid to go to sleep because we, we actually had a really close friend of ours come and hold her while we finally just had, like our bodies were shutting down, we had to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point we were so tired, we had to just be okay with the possibility that she'd pass away while our friend was holding her. Wow. Wow. It must have been really something for the hospital staff to go through all this with you, too. I'm a nurse and I can't imagine how. And then for you to leave the hospital with a baby 
Yeah. We, yeah. Our, I mean, we didn't have, we weren't really set up very well for it at home because we just weren't expecting to bring her home. So it was, yeah, we were surprised. The staff was surprised. The whole thing was just a shock. Now, how long has it been? Um, she passed away March of 2016. So we were just about to celebrate um, her three year, called her death day. <laughs> but we just celebrated her four year birthday. Wow. Mm -hmm. Did you have other siblings? Yeah, four. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. She's the youngest? Actually, um, there's one younger. His uh -huh. name's Ben. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we've got a 12-year-old, an 11-year-old, six-year-old. Libby would be four now. And then Ben, who is two. Wow. wow. <laughs> well, I, I want to uh, talk about your story and how you have written songs for her. You were a songwriter before she died, right? Yeah. Did, did you have any time where you had to stop creating for a while? Yes. Yeah. Um, Sort of, it, it, it morphed into a new, a new format. Um, I could not really approach music uh, for um, a while after she was born and then a, a while after she passed away again. Um, it felt like too, maybe too familiar of a medium to express things that were so inexpressible and yeah it, it was like we needed we needed a way to express that was more raw than our training mm -hmm. if that makes sense so my wife's a pianist and she wasn't playing piano during that, those times either she was painting instead and uh i was doing more writing of words than just music and so I, oh, yeah. that's where the books came from i think art is is a really useful way to to digest life mm -hmm. and uh, just to make sense of things. And when things become so huge and so nonsensical, <laughs> um, sometimes it's almost more helpful to have an art form that you're not yeah, not very used to, so that you can it can reflect the mess. So for me, uh, all I could do is words. I definitely couldn't try to make a song out of it. And uh, Heather was painting a lot and she was doing different types of projects that she hadn't really done much of in the past. I love how you were both expressing yourself creatively and dealing with your grief through creative outlets. Yeah. Yeah, I had to come out some way. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And there were other ways that came out too. I mean, we, especially, the, we went through, I think, two really major periods of grief. One was, immediately after we found out we were about to um, not only have a child who was probably gonna, gonna die, but also have a severely disabled child. So we were grieving the loss of an idea of what life was gonna be for us. Um, I was grieving the loss of my career. I didn't know if I was gonna get to um, keep playing music or I didn't know and really throughout her life, we were grieving the loss of um, control over so many things that we took for granted. Like we were sleeping an hour or two a night, most nights. Wow. So grieving the loss of 
control over our schedule and mm-hmm. um, we could we couldn't maintain relationships. Mm-hmm. All we could do was just um, what was necessary to keep our family and in, in, from falling all the way apart. We had to be okay with being pretty dysfunctional for a while. Wow. I like that Me idea too. being okay with being dysfunctional. Yeah. <laughs> when did you write uh, the music about the experience, about Olivia? When, when did you start writing those? Uh, I think about, th- it was probably three, I, I'm guessing three, four or five months after she passed away, um, I sat down to write. And, and these songs on, on the, the, so this is Dance Again, the album Dance Again. This album I wrote um, during the, really started writing it the day, the day after she passed away um, because I wrote an album and a book both called Dance Again. And those sort of are my experience of those months after her passing. But the first song on the album is called Dance Again. And it's a song about, um, I sat down and I was like, I need to, I guess I need to get back to work. I don't feel like doing it. And so what came out was a song about how I didn't want to write any more songs. Um, And so the song's all about how it just paints this picture of not wanting to take these steps and um, feeling like the world just keeps moving. And, um, and it doesn't give any answers. It's just, it's just being with that feeling of, I really don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what was the next song? The next song, um, it, I had just had a conversation with a close friend and he asked me what I'm doing with my anger. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a way where I didn't really ever get a feeling that I had space to be angry. I felt like I, my role was to keep things together. And I told my friend, I, I don't, I really don't feel angry. Like, you know, she lived a lot longer than she was supposed to. I'm not angry at God. I'm not angry at anyone. I mean, it's no one's fault. And he was like, he just wasn't buying it. And he was like, I, I just really, he encouraged me to, to explore my anger and, I felt uncomfortable with that and and also like it was unnecessary and I said you know okay and um, I I sat down to try to write a little bit about anger and didn't feel it and then a couple maybe a couple weeks later I was on a walk I take these walks every morning and um, and I was I was at the cross just this uh, about to cross the street and I had a really sort of vivid violent picture in my head and it scared me I felt really guilty about it and um and all of these these words just rushed into my head about this picture and um the picture was it's horrible like for me to say it now it feels so horrible but it was of choking um of choking Jesus Mm, (laughs) like if I could get my hands on you know this is what I would do. And um, just a very, and, and then all this guilt. I mean, I mean, I'm feeling it even right now. So you, so, you were, so you were mad at Jesus Christ for, for taking your daughter. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Well, I didn't that know it. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then you went on. So you wrote that anger. And then mm-hmm. what? what was the next? 
the song after that was um, it's called Don't Rush to Get Up. And it really follows up in that song a lot because it's written to the man who is consumed with anger and hate and rage. And, um, and it's kind of looking down at that, at that man and saying, um, you're just fine. Like where you are and the ways that you're feeling that the hate and the anger and the, the, the guilt about it and the, all of it is perfect. It's just where you are. And um, the song was just gently giving that man permission to, to stay right, right down there and to not rush to, to move on from that. I love it. Don't Me rush. too. Uh, oh. And then what about the next one? I mean, you are taking us with your music through <laughs> the grieving process, Learning. which is yeah. fabulous. What was the yeah, name? And, and these definitely weren't like, I've never written in a way where I've planned out songs. They're, my songs and writing style has always been more reactive. It's just like, oh, I guess this is how I'm feeling. Um, the next song was called Cry. And uh, I was with my wife and um, we were, it was one of the evenings and we were having, we were crying a lot. And, um, and I just, the song chorus just came to my head and um, it, it's sort of a picture of walking into our bedroom where Libby's um, crib was, still, still was after she passed away. And, um, and it's a picture of specifically, I think a mother, but, or it could be me, a father. Um, listening and, and looking for our child and her not being there and swearing that we heard her like so many times I thought I heard her voice. And, um, and then the chorus is really just um, very gently giving permission to, to just, again, to be right there and to, to let crying and tears be a, a healing um, uh, action, a healing experience. I love that. Let's hear that song, Cry. When you call But she doesn't come home When you swear that you hear her voice But she's nowhere to be found When all you have Is reminders that she's gone And nothing Can imagine
it's cold And it's never gonna change When you try and you try and you try But it doesn't do a thing When all you have is a memory another step away Go ahead and cry It's fine It's the only way for you to feel right now Go ahead and cry It's fine Nathan, that's a great song, isn't it, Heidi? I love it. And I love the whole premise of go ahead and cry, it's fine. Giving people permission, telling them it's fine. They don't have to stop the tears. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, cry is always there for us, right? Even now, it doesn't matter how many years, how many what, how many, you know, it's still there for us. Yeah. Well, and I think, Nathan, sometimes men especially are given messages don't cry, be a man, suck it up, walk it off. Big boys don't cry. So yeah. I think you as a guy singing these words is pretty powerful. Yeah. When, I, when Livy was alive still, I, had, I sat with a friend who had just gone to a funeral of a mutual friend whose adult daughter passed away tragically. And this friend who I sat with was talking about this, this father who lost his daughter at the funeral, and he said, with a lot of respect for this man, he talked about how he got up there and said at the funeral, I've cried all my tears, and he's, a, he's an attorney, and I'm needed back at work, mm -hmm. and um, so it's time for me to, to do that. And my friend was so impressed and just glowing about this guy, and I was listening, and I was thinking, I don't know if I'll be able to do that when mm -hmm. Olivia dies, whenever that is. And uh, maybe a month or two later, that mutual friend of ours um, attempted suicide. And thankfully, it was not successful. Um, but it was just a, it was a good, it was a good lesson for me and our whole community. Right. Uh, you can decide not to cry or, or decide not to process or not to be with um, the process, but um, at some point your body will take over. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to be where you are. What album is it that cries on? It's on Dance Again. Grief is Healing. I love that. Dance yeah. Again is Healing. Yeah. I, I, that's such an important tagline. I will say I can sum, I can do a little bit of summing up because the, the final song on that album, there's one more track and it's called Marathon. And Marathon, the chorus of Marathon, 
um, is so important to me. I, I feel like it, it's, it, it sums up so much of what I learned from Olivia and from losing Olivia. Um, so I'll just say the words of the chorus. It's just a bunch of lines, but um, it says, it's not a marathon. You don't have to be strong. It's okay to fall apart. You can only be where you are. You don't have to control the waves that will come and they will go. It's not a marathon. I think that um, you mentioned the tagline, grief is healing. And I'm, I wrestled with the tagline for a long time, trying to figure out what to, to, to put as a tagline. And, and it had like a father's love for his, you know, grieving his daughter and all these different things. And eventually I came down to this book is about grief and healing. And so the tagline was going to be grief and healing. And on one of my walks, it just hit me like, oh, like, no, grief and healing are inseparable. There's no way to heal without grieving. And there's no way to really grieve without healing. Um, grief is healing. And that was such an important moment for me to realize that if I want to avoid the grief process, that I'm choosing to, to step away from uh, a process of healing that is, is designed to, to, um, to bring healing to, to myself. Um, so that's, there's my advice. <laughs> uh, lovely. Uh, I loved it. Uh, your advice is seminal. So could you uh, tell us what you're up to now? Or you got some new projects going, you or your wife, and, and what's up with the family? Well, we, uh, we had another child, his name's Ben. Um, and we actually found out that we were pregnant with him. It was a surprise and a surprise that we were not ready for. There was a lot of, a lot of fear and even anger because it was really close to after Olivia passed away. And it turns out that Ben's favorite thing to do, uh, is to dance. And so this dance again idea became uh, literal, very literal. It was supposed to be a metaphor, but um, dancing again with Ben has been a, a really, a really important part of our, our healing. Mm -hmm. And also with Ben, when we found out we were pregnant with him, I was really, really, really scared about Livy's, Olivia's place mm -hmm. in my heart. Mm -hmm. I was so scared of the picture. Actually, the picture in my head was of dancing um, with a different baby in our living room in the middle of the night, the way that I did with Olivia. And I just, there was no part of me that wanted to, I didn't want to fill that, that space. I wanted that, to hurt her. I wanted her to be our last baby because of that. And I was, I, was, I had that fear all the way until the moment Ben was born. And the moment he was born, um, it was just like, like a switch and there was a new category a new space for a new person and Olivia's space was left just for her um, that was really important well thank yeah. you so much for being on the show today thanks everyone for watching and listening to the show today and Heidi and I want to remind you that if you've lost hope please lean on ours until you find your own God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley you have been listening to Open to Hope the podcast you can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com 
and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.